Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Neo Kobe Pizza, the only gaming podcast that floats in soup. Joining me today is uh, one of my friends from Twitter and other various social medias, Mr. Joshua Moore. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Thank you. So this is one of the rare cases so far in the podcast history where I came up with the idea of a thing to talk about and immediately thought of the person I wanted to talk about it with afterwards, rather than approaching a person and saying, what do you want to talk about? And when I bounced the idea of doing sort of a discussion of information security type stuff as it relates to gaming off of you, it, it seemed like you kind of were kind of immediately all for it. Yeah, I mean, the subject of security has always interested me. Uh, I come from a, both an electrical engineering and software development background, so... I'm always kind of thinking about those things, and then I, I also did some, like, DoD stuff for a little while, so you, you get you get into that headspace. But yeah, when it comes to gaming and stuff, like, there's been so many incidents in the in recent years, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff to think about with that. Oh, no question. And that's actually kind of where I want to start, because towards the end of September, I saw an article, a couple of different articles, actually, talking about a study uh, that was done by the organization ESET, Essential Security Against Evolving Threats, where they did a survey from a panel of over 500 gamers where the responses they got said that 52% don't use security tools on their PCs when they are gaming at all. <laughs> yep. That's, uh, yeah, that's not surprising. Their reasons included that they didn't see them as necessary, 20%, that they didn't find this, that they found the security pop-ups that they got when using it irritating, 13%, uh, that they find security software slows down their computer to various extents, 12%, and that they feel it otherwise interrupts their gaming experience, 8%. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that? Because I, I have pretty strong feelings on uh, on security tools when it, when it comes to gaming. I, I kind of feel like you could probably just title the podcast, What?, and just move on from there, but... It, it also bears noting that, additionally, 36% of the gamers who do use security tools generally turn them off when they're playing if they find the tools impact their game experience in any way. Yeah, I mean, when, when you're gaming, like, the you want, you want to have the best experience possible, right? And people just think, well, I mean, I've been fine up until this very moment that I'm gaming, right? So I'm going to just turn off, like, this firewall or this uh, antivirus and call the day until, uh, until I'm done. I'll turn it back on. It's fine. Nothing, nothing can go wrong, right? Oh, sure. And and I I, I want to say that's probably the headspace they're coming from when it when doing something like that. But and I, I can understand that. Like I used to be like that myself. So I uh, I don't know of a good an example to uh, to bring up. But like occasionally you'll come across an incident where uh, like your particular brand of antivirus or something gets in the way somehow. Whether it be like some firewall that's built into it and like it's blocking the certain ports you need, or it's just making it the the traffic a little bit slower just because it has to actually inspect the packets and stuff like that but stuff like that yeah uh i i am definitely guilty of having at least at one time been like all right well i'll just turn it off i don't need this firewall it's fine oh yeah no definitely i've i've been in that position where i've looked at the way security tools have behaved and instead of taking the long road and trying to figure out why the thing is happening the way that it is I would say, oh, well, this is impacting my ability to do this thing. Let me just turn off this security tool. Let me just turn off my firewall. Let me just put my PC as the DMZ host. That's a great idea. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, this, this doesn't even begin to take into account concepts like, I bet a lot of gamers looking at that basic statistic are probably the same sort of people who, you know, use the same passwords for multiple different accounts. They're the sort of people who are going to actively avoid using multi-factor authentication unless something, like Battle.net, for example, forces them into using it. Or or they get hacked. Yeah, and people who just consistently reuse passwords or refuse to update them even when they're told otherwise. Like, for example, in the past month, when Yahoo sent out a notification to everybody when they said, yeah, we lost, like, 500 million accounts, so you might want to fix your shit. <laughs> <laughs> just just to put it put it lightly yeah i i mean there's there's a lot of problems though with with security and and the way 
like, yeah, okay, you might want to recycle passwords between multiple accounts because, like, you have 10 billion accounts. Like, mm-hmm. what are you supposed to do about that? Uh, you have, there's there's tools for that now, right? There's, like, the password, uh, crap, I forgot what those are actually called. But password I've used lockers. one myself. Yes, password lockers, where you have, like, one master password, and then the rest of your passwords are basically... Either you can you can put your own passwords in there too, but it's more recommended that you use like randomly generated passwords. And then you know if one of those gets uh, compromised because somebody somebody's system was broken, their database got dumped and put on the web somewhere. So now all the hashes for those passwords are just out in the wild. Then you can just go like, oh well, okay, I need a new password. Generate a new password. Go set it. You're done. Now you have a single point of failure, which is a different issue. But at least you know you're not reusing passwords everywhere and stuff like that. Oh yeah, and it's this is definitely a pervasive problem everywhere. When John Oliver went to Russia to talk to Edward Snowden, they actually had a side conversation about passwords, and Snowden shared his feelings on that sort of thing. So if you're flying all the way out to Russia to have a conversation with Edward Snowden and passwords are coming up. Clearly, this is a problem that is multifaceted and exists in just about every walk of life. Yeah, I mean, and definitely gaming is no exception to that uh, at all. I mean, most of our gaming takes place on either consoles or PCs. PCs are obviously basically the same thing you use for work. So, like, any of your your workflow stuff uh, that you would normally do, you know, in basically any business, you have to have you have the same security concerns as you would with uh with any kind of gaming service on top of that oh yeah and and the architectures for like consoles these days are basically pc architectures now so it's really not that much different no not at all so it's i feel like to kick it off good and proper the question for this discussion would be why is there such a huge security problem in the world of gaming let's start off by talking about the known problems that have come up in the past few years, just all of the major disasters that have been out there that you would think would be the sort of thing that would freak everybody out and inspire them to run for the hills to get their passwords updated and get all of their stuff locked down. And I feel like the best place that we can possibly start from there is LulzSec. So for those who are not initiated, LulzSec was a hacker group that was kind of sort of a offshoot slash branch off from Anonymous, but not directly affiliated with them, that mostly was kicking around in around 2010, 2011, whose main stated goal was just trying to point out how lulzy a lot of people's security was, hence the name. <laughs> and I mean, they're they're more or less gone now. Uh, the quote-unquote leader of the group, Sabu, eventually got popped by the FBI and helped kind of sort of work to get a bunch of other members of the group arrested in return for his freedom, more or less. Yeah. But while they were active, they did a lot of fucking damage. I mean, they they hit Bethesda, they hit EVE Online, they hit League of Legends, and that's not even including other breaches that existed uh, for companies like Epic, and of course, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the great PSN outage of 2011. (laughs) Yep. I mean, there's they're still having they're still having issues like if it's not if they're not getting hacked, they're getting DDoS. So, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, the thing is, is that that particular event just infuriates me every single time I have to talk about it because they got a breach. They didn't notify anybody about it for seven days. And then when they finally did, they kind of danced around the issue before they said, oh yeah, we got hacked, but none of your stuff got compromised. And then they reported everybody's credit cards so that even if you didn't get compromised, you still had to wait for a new credit card. And a few a few people actually did have their accounts compromised as a result of it. So I actually want to table that for a little bit, but I do want you to keep it in mind for later. Just put that aside for now and hold on to it because we are going to come back to it. Because the more important thing I want to talk about at the moment is the fact that people constantly, constantly, constantly are seeing hacks of their Battle.net accounts to the point where that was a major problem until Blizzard actively enforced mandatory usage of Battle.net tokens on any accounts. So 
in my own experience, back when I was in college, I also, my account was also hacked at least one time. Uh, one time that I know of, I don't know what happened since then, but I think I have two-factor authentication uh, enabled at this point, so it probably never happened again. But that was a pretty common thing. You'd see people, you know, their their account would be compromised, they'd come back onto their account eventually and find all their stuff's gone. And it was happening all the time. So, and I, I don't think it was ever clear, like, what the biggest pervasive reason for people getting their, their accounts compromised, but I would suspect... It was things like unsecured Wi-Fi networks and, uh, you know, logging in at school and it's not always the most trustworthy network. And, you know, your password gets stolen or your, God forbid, your your email account gets compromised and uh, they recover your password through that means. But anyways, it was super common. So at some point, Blizzard just decided, okay, everybody needs to do two-factor authentication now. And I think that's, I think that's helped. And the other the other thing to really keep in mind here is like I had been kind of following along with a blog entitled Eight Years in Azeroth, where a guild leader kind of recalls various events that he had gone through during the course of his eight years of running a raiding guild in World of Warcraft. And at various points throughout the story, he'll mention that people had their accounts hacked and all of their data ultimately stolen. Like all of their all of their equipment just sold off, their characters left naked in the bushes or whatever. Because at that point, two-factor authentication was purely optional. And I mean the key thing to keep in mind here is that once those characters were hacked, they were gone. They were out of the rating rotation because if you had your WoW account hacked for at least a while, if not at all times, you weren't getting your shit back. It was just, it was gone. It was gone. And yeah. you were just completely screwed out of that. Yep, uh, that's definitely true. I don't think it was an issue when I had my account hacked. I'm pretty sure that they, they would roll back like a day or so, depending on how quickly it was caught. But back in the day, I do remember a lot of people complaining about that. Like, oh, they, they got their account hacked. They lost other stuff. Got to start over. And um, I mean... I don't think it was it should have been that big of a deal to be able to roll back their account, but for whatever the reason that was not their policy at the time, they definitely did not want to do that. And they weren't the only ones. Uh it wasn't just it wasn't just like Blizzard and Battlenet that had that issue. Like it was pretty common to have account compromises on other other MMOs and multiplayer games. And uh most of them I wanna say took the stance that they would not roll back accounts or restore items if that happened. So it's definitely not just them, but at the same point, I don't see why it is such a big issue to be able to roll back an account. Like, there's probably some arguments for it, but in my perspective, I don't think it should be that big of a deal. Right. I mean, like, if you get your bank account hacked, your bank is going to do everything in their power to try and get back as much of your money as possible, provide you with restitution on that point. If your credit card is hacked and your, your credit card is overused, your credit card company is going to do everything they can to get those transactions that were made undone and to not have that negatively impact your account. Even if your personal data is stolen, social security number, date of birth, things like that, and your identity is stolen as a result of it, the federal government will help you get your information changed, will help you get stuff corrected, will do what they can within their power to help you get back up on your feet. So it... It seems a little silly that a, a game that you pay monthly for can't roll back your data and your progress just because somebody breached your account. Like that that seems a little bit reductive. That's even that's even more ridiculous because like in the examples of like credit cards or like banks and stuff like that, um banks are insured, like FDIC insured, uh, I think it's $250,000 per per institution like per bank. And credit cards also have their own types of insurance that, you know, that they go through when there's different types of like credit card chargebacks and stuff like that. So with all of that said, it impacts them more than it does a company like Blizzard with their digital goods that literally have no real world currency value. It's all like, I mean, I wouldn't say it has no value whatsoever because you're putting, you're putting time and money and investing in the experience you get from playing the game, right? But it doesn't translate one for one like actual money versus losing some digital goods and wanting them restored. Oh no, absolutely not. 
And it's that that also kind of ties into the fact that you know a lot of other companies, like digital storefronts, as an example, report that they have consistent hacking issues. Let's talk about Steam for a second. Valve has indicated that as of December of 2015, they routinely see approximately 77,000 accounts hacked per month. 77,000 every month. That's that's absurd at this point. It is a lot, but. I mean, they also don't disclose how those accounts are compromised, so that could be any variety of means. That could be user error in some way, like, are they getting their passwords, like, stolen somehow? Are the accounts being compromised outside of Steam's purview, or is it actually, like, an exploit with Steam itself? I sincerely doubt it's the latter. It's mostly just poor poor user conduct when it comes to security, I would think. Oh, sure. And it's not like these companies don't, to a certain extent or another, realize that this is a problem, right? Because Blizzard has enforced mandatory token usage on Battle.net for a while now, and most other companies offer some degree of multi-factor authentication or another. Steam, for example, will send you text messages to your cell phone, and before that, they would send you emails to your email account if they saw any kind of a login that seemed a little bit off to them. A lot of companies will use soft tokens of some type or another, or they'll send you text messages, or they'll send you emails. And at the bare minimum, companies will at the very least utilize things like security questions to protect themselves. Yeah, they've definitely gotten better over the years, especially in recent years. And I want to say, I I hate to say this because I, I don't fully agree with this, but the consistent hackings across all kinds of companies, not just game companies, but also tech companies, has gone a long way to push more companies and also their consumers to be a little bit more conscious about security. However, not as good as it should be. Not at all as as good as it should be. But, like, you know, they have uh, almost every... Everything has some kind of token system at this point, whether it be games using their their app tokens with, like, Battle.net or even, I want to say, Square Enix has one. Basically, every, every MMO or multiplayer game of some sort has one now. And then um, a lot of websites and stuff are using, uh, you know, text verification, stuff like that. That's that's all good. That's very helpful. Because there's really only so much that email verification and security questions. I really hate security questions, by the way. Like, if those get compromised once, they're basically the same for all services. Like, they rarely have largely different security questions so you're like all right well i know what your first car's model was i know your father's middle name your mother's middle name i know your favorite or your favorite pet or your first pet's name i know your high school uh (laughs) like once you know that information it's basically the same for all of the security questions everywhere so i really i really hate that method of uh account verification true and it's It's also worth noting that if you are using a computer that's already compromised where you're getting data stolen from that one computer, say due to malware or keylogger or something of that nature, there's only so much that this multi-factor authentication is going to do. Like, if you're using a soft token on your phone, you still at least have that soft token that's secured unless for some reason or another you have, you know, detection malware on both your computer and your mobile phone, in which case, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's possible if a, if you're a high-profile target, like, you might be actually targeted and they might want to get malware on as many of your devices as possible. But for, you know, Joe Blow, that is not the case. So really, your concern there is, like, is this is the email that I'm getting to verify my account being accessed on the same computer that's potentially compromised that caused this issue in the first place. Because in that case, they already have access to your email, most likely. So it really doesn't help you at all. I, it's it's possible for software tokens to be compromised, either from the end user point, or if, God forbid, like the seeding system or whatever is uh, is compromised. But that's a lot less likely than like your password being compromised. Yeah, and it's, like you said, it's just somebody compromising both a mobile device and the PC is pretty unlikely. I mean, if you assume that somebody's not simultaneously, you know, PewDiePie famous and a gigantic fucking asshole, the, the odds are good that nobody's going to be making that strong of an attempt to target every single thing that they have. No, it's fine. It's fine. Stuxnet for gamers. It's It'll be great. 
Oh yeah, it'll be it'll be wonderful. We could we could have another Aurora attack. That'll be that'll be awesome. Jesus Christ! But <laughs> so let's assume that only your computer is compromised. All right. So if anytime you're logging into anything, they have your data. So if you're getting email uh, multi-factor authentication, they probably have access to your email. If you have a soft token already installed to your computer, they have access to that soft token on your computer, and. This is the thing to keep in mind here. We're talking about the same group of people who, again, 52% of them don't like using security tools when they're running games. So they're not running security tools to prevent themselves from getting malware. They're probably reusing their passwords. They're probably not using multi-factor authentication unless they absolutely have to. And if they do, they're almost certainly utilizing multi-factor authentication that is immediately and readily accessible on the computer because they're probably kind of lazy. So it's you're you're definitely kind of creating a recipe for somebody who's immediately exploitable via multiple different methods so long as they have bad browsing history or even if they just go to a website where there's a drive-by attack and they just happen to get caught by it even though they weren't the primary target and suddenly all your shit's just gone. Yep. I feel like one of the expectations coming back to the discussion about banks and credit cards and things like that is that companies have your back in this situation. You know, the government certainly has your back. Your bank has your back. Your credit card company has your back. So it's easy to have this belief that the gaming companies will help you out to a certain extent. If you lose your data, either through your own mistakes or worse, through their mistakes, that the company is going to do what they can to protect you either because you have the belief that they are better than that or because you have this belief that they are mandatorily required to do so through some reasonable expectation of punishment or something of that nature. Well, I want to say, like, anytime money's on the line, it's just the expectation, like, I've already given this company company my money. I would expect them to care about my user experience. So even if even if it's technically my bad that, okay, my account got compromised... I'm still paying for your service, so I would expect you to at least take some pretty simple, easy steps, like maybe a, a couple days of account rollback or something, to ensure that like I don't just quit and stop paying you money entirely. The, I think the underlying assumption is that consumers think companies want their money so that they will help them out as much as they can. Sure, and it's we can bring up the World of Warcraft discussion point where people, in a lot of cases, for a while, were not getting account rollbacks or might still be missing significant amounts of data. But I actually want to kind of revisit the Sony point for a second, because the first thing I want to mention here is that if you're of the mentality that a gaming company is going to protect your data or going to protect you if they lose your data, let's just set that straight that that's wrong. Sony after the, again, great PSN hack of 2011, only saw one significant impact to the financial side of things from their own perspective when they were fined £250,000 in the UK for the breach. Also, not, not the US, but the UK. Oh yeah, no, the US called them on the carpet for it. They, they called them out and said, well, you probably broke a bunch of our information security reporting laws because you are kind of expected to report to people as soon as you have an idea that there's a breach, and they knew multiple days before they told their customers. But Sony just made up some shit, nothing happened. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to say it nicer than that, but it's just such an infuriating situation that I can't. Sony made up some shit, and nothing happened. And I yeah. mean, that's not even related to gaming. There was There was a big deal in the... Early 2010s, I want to say it was like 2012 or 2013, uh, the Wyndham Hotel chain had a massive breach, and most information security specialists at that point basically pointed to it and said, yeah, they had no real information security protections at all, like nothing <laughs> of significance or value. And they were expected to be just completely raked over the coals for the security breach that cost their customers 10 point six million dollars due to stolen credit card data all right actually wow that's a lot of money yeah do you know what happened to them no i'm not familiar with that one nothing 
that, that's that not doesn't even, surprise me. But that's yeah. not even a joke. They were only ordered to improve their actual security programs. They weren't fined. They did not have to provide customers any degree of restitution or protections for it. They didn't even have to admit that it was their fault. Wow. Yeah. So let us put the myth to bed right now that companies will be punished for this sort of thing. They will not. The government will do nothing. Nothing. Literally nothing. So if you think that Sony has any reason to be forced into protecting your data, surprise, they literally don't. The government, the U.S. government in any case, because as we've seen, U.K. will hold people to a certain degree of accountability. The U.S. government, at best, rarely holds companies accountable to any kind of standards when it comes to information security breaches. And this is kind of a worldwide trend, honestly. Outside of the PSN hack in the U.K., most other countries have indicated that they kind of don't give a shit. Like, they, they, they care in the sense that they want to make a show about it, but... They don't really do anything to enforce these companies to fix this, because, again, I mean, we saw Sony, once again, got breached not too long afterward in their movie division, and what happened to them? Nothing. Nothing, Nothing happened. So, okay, let's talk about the concept of reputation damage. I'm sure you're familiar with that one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> any any company that has, like, a large large breach like that mm -hmm. they they always like people are like oh well i don't trust this company anymore i'm going to take my business elsewhere but i want to say if the company is large enough or like significant enough like take for instance sony how many people are still subscribers to i don't know playstation plus you know psn stuff i i sincerely doubt their impact actually was that much even though, theoretically, it should have been really, really, really big, it was not. Well, I have a I have a coworker who I've discussed this concept with who is of the mentality that despite the fact that you'll hear about reputation damage constantly at information security, cons, uh, information security conventions or at, you know, in textbooks, in classes, at presentations, that this is constantly a topic that's talked about that the actual real-life concept of reputation damage is bullshit. That it doesn't happen and there's no such thing. I, I actually kind of agree with that because it, from my perspective, the consumer has the memory of, like, an ant. They'll remember for, like, a couple years, maybe at most. And if the services or whatever the company was providing to them are important enough to where they really don't want to kind of give it up, they won't. They just will deal with it. It's like, all right, you're, well, you lost my credit card data one time, so maybe I might cancel my subscription for six months. But then, like, a year or two later, at, at minimum, like, they're probably going to subscribe again. Like, for instance, I, I can say with myself, like, I just, in this is just general, like, company type stuff, but, like, I got mad at Netflix for raising my rates, like, three or four years in a row, right? But I'm a subscriber again, like, how many years later? I... It just, consumers definitely do not remember. Or they do remember, but they just don't care after a, a certain length of time. Oh, sure. And it's, I mean, you know, I'm mad at Sony now. I remember this. I constantly remember it, but I own a PS4, and I have PlayStation Plus, and I have yeah. a Vita, and I have Me a PS3. Too. I yep. mean, I don't, I don't tie my credit card into their account anymore, because that's a bridge that was burned. But it clearly didn't stop me from buying their equipment because there are games there and I play video games. I, I do still have my uh, account information with them. I just said, well, screw it. All these companies keep losing my data anyways. It's going to happen. So I don't care anymore. I'll leave it to the credit card company. Yeah, if you just have like one universal credit card that you tie into everything that doesn't have a particularly large balance, even then that's a form of securing yourself. But it's we're not so outraged with these companies that we're not using their services anymore. Yep. And it's the reality is very few companies have ever been impacted by actual significant damage post security breaches as of this point. And the most you could argue is that it might impact your investor opinions. I mean, I can pull things up all day. The Wyndham breach. I mean, people still use various Wyndham hotels out there. I just stayed at one. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Uh, Heartland, Heartland Secure, um, no, it's Heartland Transaction Processing is a company that does behind-the-scenes transaction processing for customers. They lost a shitload of customer money because somebody put malware into their system that was transmitting out customer transaction data, and they didn't find out for a month. Oh, 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 Target. 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 Yeah. Target, Target shared, Target shared their transaction processing system with the computer network for their HVAC systems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, so literally the vendor who was coming in maintaining their environmental control had full access to their transaction systems. And even if somebody within that vendor's organization didn't breach it, how much security do you really think somebody's going to put on the HVACs? Nothing. Nothing. You, okay, you would think it would be higher than nothing, but it's probably going to be nothing. Sure. And even RSA, who is a major manufacturer of security tokens worldwide, the government uses them, most of the banks that we deal with use them for multi-factor authentication, they got breached and their encryption data was stolen. Yep. And a couple of different organizations actually did start seeing impacts. And even though RSA did notify people immediately when the breach happened, you you did see some impact to their customers. But it's not like anybody's using somebody other than RSA. No, I mean, well, in that case, I don't know of that many other vendors for that. That's kind of, uh, <laughs> RSA is a really big one. Yeah, the only other one I've seen is crypto cards, and they're kind of a piece of shit in comparison. Sorry, but having to carry around this credit card-like thing that's about four times the thickness of a credit card, so you can't even like put it in your wallet or something to authenticate, is not <laughs> is is never going to be convincing to me when I could just utilize a soft token that's attached to my keychain. It's not. Yeah. Even if you look at investor impact, though, that more often than not does not bear out as a thing that is impacted when somebody has a breach. I mean, I looked at Sony's stock prices over a seven-year period, just to check, and I didn't write down the specific numbers, but just for reference, neither the 2011 PSN hack nor the 2014 Sony Pictures hack significantly impacted their stock prices. When was their lowest drop during that time window? In 2013 which was due to bad business decisions rather than anything to do with their information security posture. And as of right now, they're back around where they were in 2010, which was pretty high up, relatively speaking, despite the fact that they had two security breaches in a three-year period. This, this m might be related to, uh, to the fact that I'm pretty sure investors also know that nobody's going to remember that they had a bad security issue. At some point, just because at this point they are so common that they're always they're always in the news. Like, almost it feels like every couple months somebody got hacked. There's this big article about it. There's this big to do about it. Like, oh, they did this thing. This was a bad practice, uh, but they're gonna fix it now. Don't worry, guys. It'll be fine. And then everybody forgets. Oh yeah, um, and it's. I mean, a lot of these companies will talk the talk about beefing up their security posture, and I mean. My company that I work for hasn't really had a breach at all, but they actually went in and invested the money in improving their security posture. Maybe Sony did as well. Maybe all of these other companies actually have. We're at a point now where there are two information security jobs for every one person who's trained in the field, so clearly it's a desirable field that they want people to work in. But you kind of have to wonder how much is actually being done when a company has had two breaches in three years and nobody cares. And the worst part of it all is if you as a consumer are put into a position where the consume, where the company itself does something that breaches your trust, that breaches your accounts, that breaches your whatever, you aren't even really protected if the company like doesn't help you out here. And by that I mean... In the wake of the PSN hack, Sony kept PSN offline for a month and eventually brought it online and said, okay, we're going to let you guys back in and we're going to give you two free games that I fucking guarantee you don't give a shit about, but whatever. <laughs> All you have to do is accept our new PSN service agreement, which, if you were paying attention at that point, you'll know, contained a handy little rider in it 
that indicated that by accepting their new terms of PSN service use, you were opting out of being able to participate in class action lawsuits against the company going forward. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, the only way that you could, if Sony did something negative to you, venture forward legally was through direct arbitration. So essentially, Sony was saying, the only way that you can sue us, the only way that you can bring legal action against us is to be rich as fuck or to have such an ironclad case that a lawyer will represent you pro bono under the understanding that they're going to make enough money to retire after they rake Sony over the coals. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah. And, I mean, the thing with that, though, is even if you, as a singular entity, go head-to-head -head against a company like that in court, you can be absolutely certain you're probably never going to use their service again just because they're not going to let you. It's, it's the same concept with, like, when you request refunds for a particular game or service or something, and they're like, oh, yeah, sure, we're legally obligated to give you your refund, but you are completely blacklisted from using our services ever again. Oh, sure. So, And it's the worst part is, is that back in 2011, this was actually, like, this sort of a rider was contested in the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, yeah, that's fine, they can do that. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't doesn't make much sense because a lot of our, you know, legal code is based around protecting the consumer. But this, uh, like, something like this in your terms of service absolutely does not protect the consumer at all. Literally, at all. It actually goes against <laughs> that. But it's, it's fine, it's perfectly legal, that seems questionable at best. Yeah, I am absolutely 110% not a fan of that concept. I, I feel like that's actively going out of its way to avoid protecting the consumer. And in a lot of respects, that's kind of the government protecting companies. Not that that's anything new, not that we should be surprised that that's happening, because Lord knows we've seen that before. But it is very frustrating to realize that if you get a security breach that happens because you're a, a Sony customer, and they lose your data, or they lose your money, or whatever they are not obligated to necessarily do anything to resolve that. And unless you have a shitload of money or you're willing to pursue this legal claim for literal years and you have an airtight case, you're probably fucked. You probably can't do anything to get that resolved. And if Sony does not want to help you, you know, what are you going to do? Complain about it on GameFAQs? <laughs> no, obviously Twitter. Twitter, of course, sure. But it's, it's what is that going to do? It's not going to stop people from using Sony as a service. No. And so Sony has no obligation to protect your data. You would think that they, they would, but literally everything is in place to protect them from having to protect your data. Yeah. I mean, the, the burden is basically so far removed from the company that like it, it will not impact them at all. It's basically, oh, we screwed up. Sorry about that. Here you go. And the here you go is basically telling you to fuck off. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't see that changing uh, anytime soon unless there are actual real legal protections like written into law for this. And you would think, I, I'm pretty sure there already are some, but they're obviously not helping at all. And I don't really know of a government agency that's designed to fix that problem. Like, maybe, maybe, I, I can't even see, like, FCC, like, one of the, one of the trade commissions, maybe? I believe most recently the FTC has been involved in some of those discussions, but honestly, at this point, like, the, the thing that the government is most interested in as it relates to, you know, information security and whatnot comes down to, you know, cyber warfare, cyber defense, things of that nature, and sure... That's important. Let's not pretend that it isn't. But which is more likely to happen in your lifetime as an entity in the United States? That Iraq is going to hack your computer and steal all of your shit? Or that Sony's going to lose your data and you're going to lose money to some 
dickhead from, you know, another state. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously the latter there. But from the government's perspective, like, they don't care about that. They don't care about individual people. They care about the whole. And that's why they care more about Iraq in that case than, you know, Joe Blow down the street who just swiped your password and credit card information. And sure, I understand that. That's completely reasonable. My concern comes more to the side of, as a consumer, it's worth understanding that you are not protected. No. You are not secure here. The companies that you deal with, if you lose your Steam account information, Valve is under no real obligation to do anything about that. Blizzard is under no obligation to do anything about that. And you personally can say, well, I'll just go to, you know, GOG, or I'll just go to, you know, Final Fantasy fourteen or whatever, if they lose my data, and that's completely fair. But as a consumer, you've already shown that, one, you probably won't. Two, if you do, you'll probably be back. And three, even if you ultimately do and you ultimately don't come back, you're in the minority, and there's no reason for them to invest tens of millions of dollars in trying to protect your data, or even tens of thousands of dollars in instituting a basic policy that would allow them to do a day rollback, or like to expunge stuff from your account and revoke the access of other accounts, etc. That, that they're not really obligated because financially it's probably just easier to let you go. Unless you are a big dollar customer or a customer with, you know, five, six, seven years of loyalty in, invested in their service, there's no reason to appease you. There's no reason to keep you around. They don't have to protect you. And while they may do something for you, you can't expect anything from them because we've already seen that they're going to go out of their way to avoid having to give you anything more than what they deem appropriate. And they're going to do everything they can to ensure that it is as difficult for you as possible to bring legal action against them. I mean, that concept isn't isolated to just, like, companies... Well, I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective, but you can see that same thing in a lot of things. Like, for instance, the government coming in and saving particular corporations or or markets and stuff like that because they don't want it to go under. Because in the long run it'll either cost them a lot of money or just generally be really bad for them so yeah then they care but if it's like some small businesses or something like they probably wouldn't care then it's the same concept for companies and their consumers like unless they're making a whole ton of money from the people who are raising their voices they don't care literally for it to actually impact their bottom line when they have some kind of security breach or something all of their consumers would have to, like, simultaneously be like, oh, no, screw this, we're quitting, we're gone, bye, see ya. Then they would care, then they would probably do something about it. But since, in reality, that never happens, there might be some vocal minority, and you might see a lot of stuff about it in media of all sorts, but in reality, it's it's not really that that large of a number of people who, who do that. So it doesn't impact their bottom line, so therefore, there's no reason for them to care. Oh, yeah. And it's the reason that I bring it up, like I said, is not because we can do anything about it. Because, you know, if people weren't rioting in the streets against Sony when their shit was actually getting hacked, you know, two dudes on a podcast talking about it in no way, shape or form is going <laughs> it's to gonna make any difference. No. But my point is, if we know that you're not getting protected and we know that you're not doing anything to protect yourself, we can't do anything to address it on the corporate end, but since we know that we're not going to be protected, what can we do to improve the experience on our side as the gamers who are using these tools so that we feel less inclined to not use these tools? And, like, from a token perspective, let's start there. Tokens are onerous, you know? If you have one, two soft tokens, you know, one or two apps that are texting you when you log into them it's a pain in the ass sure but if you do it for every single system that you use especially if you are you know a, a diehard gamer in some capacity or another you probably have 20 or 30 notifications that you're going through yeah it sucks it really sucks like i that is 
The single thing I hate the most about trying to implement any good uh, security practices is just they're all a pain in the ass. And like it's it's one thing when it's just like a couple of them. You're like, all right, uh, I have to I have to have this token set up. I have to verify when I log on a new device. Uh, I have to do all these things. And it's like, all right, I do it for this one service. But if every single one of them adopts that, oh, my God, people are just they're going to blow up. Oh, yeah. And it's even if you do something as simple as tying it into your cell phone, how many times do you want to check your cell phone for authentication codes in a day? 20, 30, right. 40? I mean, the organization that I work in, just dealing with the customer facing side of things, every cup, every day you would get two or three users who would piss and moan about security questions. I don't remember setting up these security questions. I don't understand why I have to answer these security questions. I don't understand why these are in place. I don't want to set these up, blah, blah, blah. And I get it. I really do get it. But you don't want your money stolen. You don't want your information stolen. You don't want to wake up with your tune naked in a bush and, you know, your fucking plus one flaming shovel handle of menage a trois sold off to the auction house. So I get that it's draconian. I get that it's a pain in the ass. But... Insofar as that goes, that is that is the way of the future, unfortunately. It sucks, but ask yourself this question. Which is worse? Having to log in on 20 different accounts that all text me information to my cell phone multiple times a day whenever I try to log into these, or completely losing access to all of your games on Steam? completely losing access to all of your shit in WoW. Because if you're relying on the company to protect you, imagine how uninterested you are in protecting yourself. And then imagine that company having to deal with 10 million of you (laughs) and try to understand how uninterested they would be. Like, they're going to put the base protections in there, but if you don't use them... They're, you know, just going to make the jerk-off motion when you send them that message begging them for assistance, and they're going to say, Welp, <laughs> you know, here's the bare minimum that we can do for you that's financially feasible. Fuck off. So it's, I understand it's onerous, but just keep that in mind. No matter how onerous it is, it's much more onerous trying to wring blood out of the stone that is this company giving a shit about your financial situation because you didn't use the tools that they gave you. Right. So, all right, let's talk about local security tools. Local security tools do pop up stuff at points. Yeah, of course. That's their job. Sure, absolutely. But it's here's the thing. If you are consistently getting pop-ups that tell you that something's infected or that there's something that's suspicious, maybe check that shit out. It, it, it is fine. Just let it chill. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. Like, the system's like, you want to quarantine this? Nah. You know? Nah. <laughs> let's, let's let it play out. See where it goes. But it's... <laughs> if the system is notifying you that there's a legit problem, maybe look into that. But for most people, I, I imagine that that's probably not the case, right? For a lot of people, it's, you know, Windows Defender is popping up saying, hey you haven't used this in a couple of months and I don't remember what your settings were for it being able to access the network. What do you want to do with that? Or it's semantic popping up saying, Hey, I'm going to run a scan now while this shit's going on. And I know I just took you out of full screen and I know this is an MMO and I know that you're in the middle of the raid and I probably just fucking got like the whole raid wiped, but I really needed to pop this up right now to let you know that I was doing this. And In that kind of a case, I hate to be a jerk here, but you can turn those off. You can go into, like, the the solution that I use, you can go in and you can specifically check off something that's called gaming mode. That's a thing. And if you do that, the only time that it's going to actively notify you that it wants you to do something is if you actually get an infection or if it actually sees something that it legitimately does not like. Right. I mean, that's the whole point of gaming mode. It's to not get in the way unless it has to. Yeah, and it's it's I'm not even using like an incredibly expensive solution. You know, I 
I am using a solution that is at cost, sure, but I'm not using, like, the top-of-the-line, like, you know, top-tier Kaspersky or McAfee or Semantic, whatever. And that's a setting that's right there from default because these companies know that if you are using a gaming platform, if you're doing gaming on your PC and their solution is interrupting you, you're not going to come back to that solution and use it again. No, you're just going to turn it off, uninstall it later, and call it a day. Like, that's... That's what the consumer will do. Like, that's just that's just what they do. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know what? I can understand to a certain extent if you're getting into a position where maybe the tool is doing some type of deep packet inspection that's slowing down your overall connection speed. That should be something that you can disable, but maybe you just don't want to do that research. Or maybe something's happening where this is running heavily and it's drawing a shitload of your RAM and whatever, and it's, it's negatively impacting the game. But here's, again, the thing. Your antivirus solution shouldn't be drawing that much of an amount of resources. Like, you don't need the best and the brightest thing out there, you know? Like, that's, that's not a thing that anybody needs to have running. Like, you don't need something that's going to be taking up a gigabyte of your RAM. If you're using something that's using a gigabyte of your RAM at any given point in time, you've either over-invested or you've massively over-configured the security on the system. Mine right <laughs> now, seriously, mine right now, just looking at the three different processes that's running, is maybe taking up about 120 megabytes of RAM on a system with 16 gigs of RAM in it. That should, that's practically nothing at that point. Yeah. Even if this thing is taking up, like, you know, a couple hundred megabytes of RAM, if you're running 8 gigs, 12 gigs, 16 gigs, you should be fine. And if you are running at the bare minimum amount of RAM to support a game, and you feel like turning off the antivirus solution is going to dramatically improve that, maybe the problem is with the system and not the thing that you're using to protect it. I want to say antivirus and like firewall software and all of the security tools that you should be using, their requirements go up like over time, but all software does. So if you're noticing like a consistent increase in the amount of resources needed for whatever your protection tools are that you've chosen, and it's been like a few years or more since the last time you like you upgraded your system and you're expecting to be able to game with this as well. Yeah, it might not it might not be the security tools. Like you might you might have other issues there you probably want to address. Sure. And I mean like again, from a corporate perspective, the environment that I'm in uses an enterprise solution which is going to be running multiple different things simultaneously, right? We are running not just an antivirus solution, but we're using an adaptive heuristic-based system that will block things it thinks it doesn't like right. on the local workstation as well as firewalls and other such things that are all built into this one tool. So that's clearly going to be taking up a lot more space. It's going to be taking up a lot more RAM in any given process. The most that we have problems with this is in two cases. When the boot-up cycle starts, and it maybe delays the boot-up process by 10 to 15 seconds, and sometimes this is just too much for certain people to deal with, or when people are using extremely high-load services like SQL databases and the solution is attempting to do massive scans on all of this data that's being <laughs> packed and unpacked, which, you know, is a completely reasonable thing, and we do have controls in place that allow us to make that not be a problem, but that's it. And I know that for a fact because that's what I do. So if we're in an environment where multiple hundreds of thousands of users are using this incredibly high-end shit that obviously is taking up more resource footprint in the computer, and again, this is one of multiple different tools that we use because we take this shit seriously, and all of these different tools are taking up X amount of resource footprint on this system, and the only time that we're seeing problems is when people are working with big data. If our local systems aren't seeing any kind of significant impact on that, if our network systems aren't seeing any kind of significant impact from that, if we have users, hypothetically speaking, who are given enough access to their systems 
where they're, I don't know, running Steam on their work computers <laughs> without it being a problem. And I'm not saying that that is happening. I'm just saying, hypothetically, that could be a thing that's happened. Well, if we're not seeing those kind of issues, I imagine that if the typical end user is either one, they're using bullshit tools, two, they don't really know exactly what they're doing and don't care to learn, or three, they are infected. Because, I mean, if your computer is jacking up resources to that extent, if your computer is drawing that much resources when it's trying to run the typical antivirus solution... It might be having some other code execution in the background. Yeah. Yes. And I can sort of understand if you have a daily scan kicking off when you're in the middle of playing a game. You know how to resolve that? Change, <laughs> Change the, the fucking time. time period. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not hard. That, that can be an issue if you don't have access to your system. Like, if you don't have the privileges to change that on your system. But the typical end user is using their own computer. So they do. They just have to figure out how to do that. And, like, even if you're having issues with, like, a firewall or something getting in the way between your computer and the server you're trying to connect to or whatever, for whatever game you're playing, that's all configurable. There are a billion, 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 billion tutorials and like, hey, how do I do this thing for all of these systems, like firewalls, antivirus, they're, and they're good. Like, it's not that hard to learn. It really isn't. So there's no reason to just turn your security controls off just because, oh, they're getting in the way. I, However, I will say there is one instance in which I have seen an issue that does seem really hard to get around. Some security tools use... Uh, some hardware virtualization stuff. And if you're trying to do like uh, Android emulation or other things on that same computer, I have seen issues where that's not, that does not work very well. You end up having to turn off the hardware uh, virtualization stuff in the security tool, which keeps it from being able to protect itself from threats that will try to re remove its control over things in the system, basically trying to circumvent your security controls oh sure but look let's be honest here have you ever done android emulation yeah okay <laughs> i've done android emulation a friend of mine has done android emulation do you know what all three of us have in common we know what the fuck we're doing yeah that's that's a good point <laughs> the average person is not going to go download jenny motion and try to figure out exactly what image they need to be able to run so they can get an image installed on their device so that they can run some type of virtualized packet manager to develop uh, an APK on their computer or run Game of War or run Brave Frontier or run Grand Blue Saga or whatever the shit, you know? Most people <laughs> are just gonna are just going to play it on a tablet or play it on their phone. You know, for me personally, it's easier to run Brave Frontier on an emulated Android device on my computer. But... I also know how to do that. The sort of person who would have a problem getting around that solution is probably the sort of person who's going to have a problem setting up an Android image in something like Jenny Motion in the first place. And that's the simplest fucking way you can do it. If you can't get around that, chances are good you're not, you know, going to run into that problem. And somebody who can't figure out how to turn on fucking gaming mode on their antivirus solution, probably not somebody who should be doing that in the first place, you know? <laughs> no, I agree. There's definitely there's definitely a limit there. So, I mean, there's not there's not really any good excuse for it, honestly. Um, unless unless you're like a super advanced power user, you know what the fuck you're doing, you might have a really good reason, but you probably also know the risks that you're incurring by doing that. So I don't think it's a good thing to do, but sometimes, sometimes people do it. Yeah. And I mean, the problem is you, there are users who think that they're better off than they are, right? They say, you know, this isn't going to affect me. I'm not going to have this user, this issue. And look, Dunning-Kruger is a thing. Yeah, I, kn I knew you were going to say that. I'm not going to say that, like, you know, if you're listening to this and you're saying, I don't need security tools, 
that you're stupid and you think that you're better than you are. But I am going to point out that we have users in my environment who are given full administrative access to their systems and will go and grab all kinds of stuff and will end up royally fucking their computers because instead of going through the proper channels to request tools that they needed, they just downloaded those tools and password crackers. Oh, God. Yeah, so it's... The, the simplest way to explain it here is a user who doesn't have access to, you know, do the sort of tuning that would make it easier for them to work with their tools probably also wouldn't have access to turn their shit off. And 99% of users are probably running their root account to do everything. They're just yeah. logging in with their main root account. So they have full access to do whatever the hell they want. But the reality is, let us assume that maybe your system isn't infected somehow. And maybe the security tool that you're using is still just too onerous for you to deal with. And maybe you don't have the money to invest in other security tools. And maybe you don't want to try out the free ones like Avast or whatever because you just, you're just so tired of it and you've had all of this negative impact and it's just so difficult for you to deal with. And you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, why in the fuck am I going to listen to you? Because I don't know anything about all of this shit and I don't know how to configure any of this nonsense and what the fuck is the benefit for me and why do you even care? And for me personally, this is what it comes down to. Forget for a moment doing this as a full-time job. Forget for a moment schooling, certifications, all of that. Just put it all aside. For me personally, I've seen friends and family have their data stolen because they just didn't think about it. They didn't care. Most people are not going to shred their credit card documents when they get something. They're just going to throw it in the trash or they're going to throw it in the recycling where it's going to be hand-sorted by people who can get their hands on it and use it to steal that person's identity. Yep. So I've seen what it's like for somebody to go through this kind of shit firsthand. And that was with somebody who took a reasonable amount of precautions and still got fucked. So I know what it's like to watch somebody go through this and just have their life completely shit on for a year because they didn't get insanely involved in shredding all of their documentation to protect themselves from somebody stealing their information. The reality is, the corporations are only going to do so much to protect you. The government is only going to do so much to protect you. Your bank and your credit card company can only do so much to protect you. At some point, the onus is on you as a person to protect yourself. And if these tools suck, I get that. I do. But you need to own the fact that if something happens, that's on you. And if you're really comfortable with the idea that you might lose access to your Steam account or to a bunch of your games, or you might lose access to your bank account for a month, or you might lose access to your credit card for a month, where you might have significant, dire financial difficulties because you didn't install an antivirus solution on your computer... I mean, good on you, I guess, but <laughs> for the rest of you out there, you know, it's, it's, it's protect yourself, you know? I mean, yeah, it's, it, you know, at the end of the day, it is each person's responsibility to at least take like a decent amount of precaution to protect themselves. Not, not just security, like other, all, all aspects of life. Like you are responsible for yourself when it comes right down to it. So while you might want to push that burden onto somebody else because of using their service or, you know, signing some kind of contract with them or agreeing to some kinds of terms, if, if you don't take a reasonable amount of precaution to at least kind of try to protect yourself from bad things happening, I don't see any reason why you should want to expect other people to do that for you or to cover you in those cases for you. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make logical sense. No, I definitely agree. I mean, at the end of the day, it's your data. Protect it. Because if you don't, you can't expect anybody else is going to do it for you. Right. 
And I feel like that's kind of as good a place to end this as any. But I just want to say thank you again, Josh, for coming onto the podcast with me. I really feel like this was a good conversation, and I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thank you, thank you for inviting me to uh, to this podcast, and uh, you know, I hope I hope somebody listens to this, <laughs> and uh, and maybe it'll help them. Maybe I don't know. Give them pers- some perspective. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's all we can really hope is that somebody takes something away from this and says, you know what, maybe I should go give that copy of McAfee or whatever. I mean. Not McAfee, fuck McAfee, get something better. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I hate McAfee. I, I don't know what to no, tell you. But I haven't used McAfee in years outside of, like, if a place I worked had it, then, yeah, then I would use it. But outside of that, my personal my personal computers never have used McAfee in, like, 10 years. No, no, me neither. And I don't know if it's just a rational hatred from having used it once and not particularly caring for it. Or if it's because the owner of McAfee, who has since, like, you know, gone out of the company, is a goddamn crazy person. Yeah, he is way off the deep end. Yeah, but I just just don't like their tools for whatever reason. But regardless, whatever you have, hopefully you'll give it another shot if you're not using it already. And even if you don't want to invest money, there are free solutions. You know, I've tried Avast, and it works perfectly fine. I've used Malwarebytes anti-malware. It works perfectly fine. You know, there there are options, even if you don't want to spend the money on it. Just maybe give it another shot. Yeah, just look for them. Like, I, I agree with those with those two, by the way. I've definitely used them myself and had no issues with them. So Yeah, but beyond that, if you like what you listen to here today, be sure to like, subscribe, comment. Uh, you can check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and basically anywhere where podcasts are hosted. Uh, if you do want to follow along with us outside of the podcast, uh, you can check me out on Twitter at MarkBWriting and Facebook at MarkBWritingHome. And Josh, where can they follow you at? Uh, at Josua, J-Y-O-S-U-A, uh, on Twitter, and also YouTube, uh, in case you like fighting game tournaments. I mean, really, who doesn't? Ah, there are some people. I mean, you can also plug your Twitch channel since you sporadically update that. Oh, right, right. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, Twitch is also the same name. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Josua. Yeah, I stream regularly. Uh, Mark does as well on his, so... I think everybody has a stream at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, mine's more of a a personal hobby than anything else. For those who would want to check out the streaming that I do... You can hit me up over at Hitbox, uh, which is at Mark B. Writing. Uh, every Saturday, I will stream something, and there's a very good chance that it will be bad. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, me, I sporadically stream outside of tournaments, so... <laughs> yeah, whether like... it be fighting games or the occasional bout of Danganronpa Ultra Despair Girls. Jesus Christ. Did you did you play that on... Uh... I beat that fucking thing. Did you, did you play it on stream? Uh, I played it once on stream, and then after I was finished, like, does anybody ever want to see this again? And they're like, no. I suffered through it on stream, and I I have bad things to say about that game. But anyways. <laughs> yeah, I think I think all of us who have done anything with that game have our war wounds to deal with. But on that note, join us next week when our topic will be, Why Watch Dogs is Bullshit. And once again, let me just say, this is Mark B. Writing, and on behalf of Josh, thank you very much for listening, and stay safe out there, junkers.